Welcome back to Eyes in the Dark, the podcast where we have a simple motto, and that motto is Death by Celluloid. We are a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror movies, and basically it's uh, it's three dudes in one dark room, six sets of eyes looking at each other and talking about horror movies. Six sets? <laughs> oh, six eyes. <laughs> Shit. There's ghosts here. I Jinx. wish you owe me a Coke. I oh wish. Oh, my God. Why'd you plant me? I didn't say anything. Oh, that must be the reverberation of my own voice. It could be the it ghost. <laughs> I wish we, we would record this podcast in pitch black. It'd probably be a lot scarier. Oh my god! Hit that light switch, bro. To be to be. You keep factual, talking. You guys are, keep talking. I'm going to turn in off a very the lights. Lit room. Yeah. By the way, that intro song, the first time I heard it, I was like, mm, "Not good." And now, oh man, it's grown on me. I love it. So, readers. Listeners, not readers. You're not reading anything. Readers beware. Listeners, write to us so we can read it. Do you like our intro song? We are now currently in blackness. Blackness. Not pitch black because we have glowing electronics, but... Glowing devices, as it were. It's all right. But it's all right. We, we make do. But uh, James, you talked about writing to us so that we can read it. And I'm going to give you, the listeners, a way that you can write to us. You can reach out to us via Twitter at EITDpod. You can reach out to us via email at eyesinthedarkpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on our website, eyesinthedarkpodcast.com, um, stuffandthingsnetwork.com. And you can reach us individually as well. For me, Chewy, you can reach me on Twitter at Chupacabra, C-H-E-W-P-A-C-A-B-R-A. And for Evan, what's your Twitter? Uh, it's Evan the Braun, at Evan the Braun, E-V-A-N-T-H-E-B-R-A-U-N. And then Dr. Jurassic Price, the all-knowing. Hit me up on Twitter at Jurassic Price, or I think my Instagram's Jurassic Price, too. So you can hit me up either way. I guess you can send messages now via Instagram. So uh, send me messages. Uh, let me know what I've got wrong, because when I go back and listen to these episodes, I'm like, hey, I got a lot of this wrong, so... Yeah, you can Hit always correct us. You can <laughs> do you it. Can, we're doing it off the cuff, so correct us. You can tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us when we fuck up or when we're way too drunk. You'll be like, guys, don't drink that much again. Or you guys need to drink more. Tonight we've been drinking. Um, so I like drink. Yeah, drink. Drinking is, blood. <laughs> drinking blood. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been fun so far, but it's time to get to work and time to talk about some horror movies. So, James, Doctor Jurassic. Price, a film knower, historian of all times ever master. Um, <laughs> that's your new title. It's just gonna all times masters for the horrors. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, Should we turn off your screen so it's? Pitch black I, well, I need to be able to read notes and shit. Well, just gonna, put it on okay. when you need to read notes. All right, all right. When he says Chewy screen, he means his face. Yeah. All right. There. This you is go. weird. It's <sighs> it's literally like there's no lights on in this room. It's this weird. Is, well, too bad. Now it's staying like this. So I, f- I feel no different. No different. No. This is the black eyes that you are already see always. I can see all you guys. Yeah. Can you all see this? You. Can you fucking see this? Yep. All right. Cool. Um, 
What are we here to do? Let me tell you. What are we here to do? We're here to talk about horror movies. Why and how? Uh, essentially... We're looking at the canon of horror movies, the whole scope of the genre, what you may define as a genre, and are these movies any good? Do they contribute to the genre as being substantially good, or is it just trash that's bringing down the name of horror? Very well put. This is why we have James summarize things for us, because he's eloquent, he is literate, and we are not. We are not. We, we. I don't know how to read good. I can't fetch my big words. We're, both, right. we're simple-minded. <laughs> we're slow-minded. I just Googled it beforehand. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, Wait, well, you Googled what our show's about? <laughs> yes, and I found descriptions that I gave, saying. and okay. I just right, reiterated right. them. Um, so I told you guys how to reach us. Let's give you, in case this is your first time, a little bit about us. Um, that way, you know, you, it's 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 a little bit of Marvel method. If you're familiar with comics, you get to kind of see our little backstory before you jump into the story. Oh, MMA, uh, Marvel, Marvel method authorized. Mar, sure, Marvel <laughs> MMA, Marvel method authorized. Let's go with that. Um, I'm Chewy, as I mentioned. Uh, I got into horror movies mostly in high school and uh, afterwards when I worked at a record store that no longer exists called Tower Records. And I just started picking up random uh, horror movies. And uh, I discovered something called Netflix way back before streaming was like a really widely available uh, norm for Netflix. Basically, that was like the upgraded version. The normal version was order your DVDs and wait for shit. And I would just like look at the foreign horror section and mostly it was like Asian horror films and like zombie films that got me into it. So that's how I ended up into horror movies and now I love them and I talk about them with my friends. How about you, Evan? Um, so what, what Chewie wants to hear is that I had a terrible, terrible childhood. You know me so and, well. And uh, my parents let me watch whatever the hell I wanted. Um, and now I just watch horror movies because I want to feel something. <laughs> It's the only way I feel. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, <clears throat> I just have a, a weird fascination with the the genre, and I, I don't know. I, I watch them now, obviously because I like the style, but also because there's a little part of me that kind of wants to get scared, and I kind of like, you know, being on suspense, and that's about it. Cool, James. Do it to us. Well, you know, Do I, it me. I, I discovered horror movies when I had a big penchant and urge to steal things. And I felt like the horror DVD section at your local store was pretty empty. So I felt that was the easiest way to steal things because no one was around. I saw horror movies. I took them home. I had them for free. I watched them and I fell in love. Yeah, we know each other's backstories Such now. Such a romance story. Everybody yeah. knows our backstory now, which is awesome. So you get, you've gotten to know us. You're going to get to know us a little bit more throughout the course of the episode. Speaking of this episode, we should probably tell you which movie we are talking about. Um, who wants to introduce it? All right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and introduce it then. We watched a movie called <laughs> A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, this movie is pretty brand spanking new. Um, it was released, was it this year or last year? Uh, 14. 2014? Yeah. Can, can I tell you what I, what I actually searched this, this, this title has on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I need to watch this movie. Let me search it. And I searched the girl who walks at midnight by herself. 
That's like the that's like I, the foreign title. Yeah, I was surprised that that did the, this movie did not come up when you searched that. <laughs> I literally in IMDb I typed a space and I started to type girl G I and it was the first thing. In where it's IMDb. Oh, it's wow. pretty hot right now. It's pretty hot. It's been pretty hot recently. Um, it's it, a 2014 Sundance film. Is that right? Um, I don't know if it was 2014 Sundance. Well, it was in theaters apparently last month or April 2015 was when it was released in theaters. But from what I saw, it was a Sundance film from 2014. Yeah, I think it was it was released in 2014 for sure. Yeah, it was it hit the film festival circuit. But I was confused because I think this got a little bit of funding from Sundance. Like that's how well recruited it was. It was released here in the U.S. in 2015, actually in April. April twentieth, four twenty, and it was pretty much in on Netflix like right after that, or at the same time at least. Because ta- it's been on Netflix yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, the tagline that you see here on IMDb is the first Iranian vampire western. Genres horror, and I'm gonna go ahead and start there and saying I don't know that this is a horror movie, guys. Well, can I just say that not only is this, you you could ask that question for sure. But the question I'm concerned about is, I don't think this is an Iranian movie. No? No. You don't think so? This oh. movie is clearly made in America. Oh, it was filmed in California. Don't kid oh, yourself. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. It's I, made I, in America. I looked it up. It was it was filmed right outside of Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes sense. The filmmakers and, uh, you know, the where it's set. And... The, the, the chick who wrote and directed it is Iranian. Yeah. And Patterson. Yeah, she yeah. is. And um, and she's in the movie. Yeah, she for is a small part. She's but, um, a little skeleton she's got a very girl. American name. Her name is uh, uh, no. Really. Her first name. Her name is uh, Anna Lily Amirpour. And, so yeah, yeah I mean, Amirpour. It's, it, it's like it's Amir, Amirpour. No, it's not. That's a that's yeah. a fucking Persian last name. Mm. Persia <sighs> doesn't exist. <sighs> you know what I mean. Prince of Persia mm. does. That's he does. Game. He's a prince. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the rest must be a fact. Um, Prince of a country that doesn't exist. I like that title. <laughs> me, me, and uh, my roommate Matt. You guys know Matt. Um, he sucks. We. <laughs> you heard he's, me, Matt. He's in front of your door. You heard me, Matt. You he, suck. He was. Um, he watched like half of the movie. I was. It was a day off, and I literally was just laying on the couch watching it. And then he like came out, and he's just like, "Oh, I'm just gonna step into this movie and just watch it." Which I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Um, but he, he's doing that, you know, and he, he pointed out a couple of details, which will probably come up here. Um, but the rest of the day, like our joke was anytime anybody did anything where we were walking, it would be like we'd make up alternate titles. So the original was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um we did like. Oh, you're uh, talking about this movie? He yeah, walked in the middle. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant you were watching Prince of Persia. Oh no, no. And he no. walked in the middle. <laughs> no. Is that a movie? <laughs> it's a movie, yeah. but yeah. Jake oh, Gyllenhaal was, just was in game. it, bro. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal uh, played so, him. Uh, all right. Yeah, he got all ripped and sexy. Now yeah. I'm known. To <laughs> and then that. he was in Nightcrawlers. Um, why don't we ever play Nightcrawlers anymore, <laughs> why Frank? Why don't we play Nightcrawlers anymore, Frank? <laughs> that was really bad. Um, I've been drinking. Anyway, we all have. Been. So he um. We, we started like that was a joke I'm holding for the a rest bottle of the day. Rum. It'd be like, you're literally drinking rum out of a rum bottle. Yes, that is a fact. I'm toasting you here. I don't know if you can see it. I'm dark. Um, but like we'd be walking around or something like that. And be like, oh, a guy, a guy walks with one person in the daylight sometimes. Like, you know, just coming yeah, up yeah. with like taglines. Yeah. The, and then uh, the title of this movie is good for 
the title, but it sucks well, what when was you're the, trying to think of it. What was the original title again? What? James? Oh, oh, you mean the translated title? Yeah. Um, the girl who walks at midnight sometimes. Uh, no, on the street. Oh, I can't sometimes? remember. Damn it. I can't remember. The, the, the girl who walks at midnight the sometimes on the street. Uh, it's the girl who walks walked home. at midnight something or other. I, th- I think it was the girl who walks oh. home at midnight, which sure. I'm like, that's a cool title too. Like, cause that's like creepy. It's like, why is she walking at midnight? It what really should be called the girl who skateboards home at midnight. Oh though, my right? God. We'll get yeah. there, dude. That's Can we talk about hard. Tony Hawk? <laughs> First of all, the, the, the music this chick was into in this movie. Yeah. The fact that she's skateboarding. Yeah. Not to mention she stole that skateboard from a little peasant boy. Are we just jumping but, into this? Because let's talk about the music. Oh yeah. Oh, the let's, soundtrack's amazing. I listened to the soundtrack for this movie before I even watched it. Sorry. But it's okay. That's how I dare loved you. It. not common. I That's loved it. Common. And then and then uh rewatching like watching it after I uh uh listened to the soundtrack, I was like, dude, the soundtrack is so good. It's so good, well, right? Well, this is my problem, is because if you listen to the soundtrack independently, not watching the movie, you're like this is a damn good soundtrack. And it is. The music eh. is like very choice. But not then... Gonna, I'm not going to lie. When I listened to the soundtrack by itself before I saw the movie, I was not as into it as I am now. Really? Yeah, because there's a lot of like... There's a lot of cool music, but then there's a lot of like Indian singing over it. And I was like, eh, well, I wouldn't listen to this like, song. I like the mix. It's like kind of like uh, contemporary Middle Eastern music with like 80s like electro yeah. music. It I reminded mean, me of like the Drive soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, the, with like, like, what do they call that? Um, electro pop? Is that right? I is that guess, a, is that yeah. a term? Yeah, yeah. electro pop. Yeah, it could be. And then, but then there's also like a sprinkling of like contemporary. Yeah, but I, I would say it's music. even more like it's like it's like dark, moody electro electro pop. Sure. Yeah. It's not like upbeat. He- he- no, you know it's like mean? heavy emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Like Joy but, Division but type. This, yeah. 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 Exactly. But this is my problem is that the soundtrack. If I were listening to it on my own, I'd be like, okay, interesting, good choices. The sa- the the songs chosen at the specific moments in the movie I felt was absolutely awful. Yeah, like, like which songs they chose like, to pair like with the scene. Ab- it's just like hideously bad. Like the scene where James Dean can we call him James Dean because just <laughs> James eh, Dean. Eh. <laughs> his name in the movie is Arash, but Arash. we're gonna call him James Dean because he's just trying to be James Dean. Yeah. Oh God, the, dude, he is. He they fucking always do. Is. It is. The, like the scene <laughs> where there's two scenes. There's a scene in the beginning where he's driving his like hot rod, and then there's yeah, that car is bitching by the way. Yeah, fucking yeah. How driving, did that guy, driving around. How did that guy action? afford that in a ghost town At, of an oil city? Well, because, after six, because he's seven just tossing years, dead bodies. Years? Yeah, for six or seven years that, he tossed dead bodies, and then he got on, he got money. Let's side table that for a minute, and then what? let's continue what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, I want to yeah, come James. back to the dead bodies. Yeah, yeah, that's a big question I have. Yeah. But the music, James Dean's driving in two different scenes in the. And in both of them, there's like a really heavy spaghetti western like like dual yeah. soundtrack going on. Yeah. Like it's straight Ennio Morricone, like good, bad, and the ugly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like there's he's just driving. He's mm-hmm. just freaking driving. Nothing okay. is happening. Yeah. It's like a really emotional, high pitched, tense moment. If you listen to the soundtrack and then you watch the movie, and it's like it's a. Fucking is, like is it, segue. Is it like that's what you would expect action. to see, or I'm sorry, to hear when he first comes face to face with the girl? Maybe yes, you know that's or that's when I would when she goes it. to meet him yes. like at the power plant. Yeah, maybe stuff. an ironic face off, 
maybe yeah. some sort of tension because ten, this movie like there's like some some tension there's between the characters a lot of tension but yeah. none of the soundtrack represents that at the appropriate moment yeah so i would love the soundtrack and hate it at the same time never felt that but i feel way. like i feel like it, it sorry that's yeah, right it uh i mean if you look at like even like kill bill like kill bill was like one of the first movies of our generation that like like kind of brought into like like that soundtrack of like older style stuff into like you know what i mean like older style well, sounds i mean like quentin, quentin tarantino, tarantino well yeah, like yeah, Reservoir Dogs yeah for sure but like, like but kill bill was like that where like it was it wouldn't be in an intense moment it'd be like maybe just a, a scene of driving and it'll be like a, a song like that like where he, where um what the Thurman's driving is like wow 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 where it's like really like intense uh, and she's I mean, just like, driving. Not even that. That's not, I'm talking about just like more of like a song. I, like, oh, okay. That's not really I, a song, but song. I know the clip you're talking about, and I know what you're saying. But the soundtrack in Kill Bill makes those moments more intense, and I feel like the soundtrack in this movie is supposed to be intense, but the moments never get there. And the soundtrack does not make the moments intense. It's just like yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think the soundtrack was intentionally trying to make moments no intense or it's, not. That was my problem. It was like the soundtrack was chosen because they were like interesting songs to choose. Yeah, yeah. but they, they were at the complete inappropriate times. Th- there were some. Times, I don't think all of them were. Yeah, I think there were I, some I times get, where like, it was that's really true. well. You know, matched. you know what I did like. What I really did like is this. Uh, first of all, by the way, the soundtrack. To me, I'm not positive on this, but it seemed entirely diegetic, meaning every time we heard a song, it was actually the characters were hearing it, right? Oh, it's that's a, that's entirely true. I read actually um, facts about that where they're like, um, any music you hear in the movie in the movie is the either played, it's either played by a radio or like a, some kind of sound system. Yeah, that's there's clever. N- never a sound. There's never but, like background sound soundtracks. Yeah, it, uh, non-diegetic where the characters yeah. can't it, hear it. It's just like right. sound actual soundtrack. Right. If that's the case, then that would make sense why we would have kind of this randomly epic song playing while he's just driving. Yeah, well, can't yeah, it I guess if you're driving and you choose the most epic song but, of the most epic what if it was just on the, that what if it was you just have. On the radio. On the radio. And here's here's the thing, too. If you've listened... Um, Nobody plays Ennio Marconi like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, on the radio. They just well, don't do it. Was it actually Marconi? It's very close. It's close, it's a, but it's, it's not It's an homage. Because here, here's the other thing, too, is with that... Um, if you've listened to, uh, sound really fucking pretentious here. Um, if you listen to like Middle Eastern music, Middle Eastern pop, you know, Indian pop and stuff like that, especially of a different era, let's say their oldie station or whatever, it was all fucking big, overly romanticized, ridiculously epic. It was kind of like when you Italian think Italian opera music. D- I'm not saying it was Italian opera music. That's what but it was Marconi is. In that like style, it was just like overly like luscious like music. So if that's the case and if it's all diegetic and they're listening to it in the actual universe that is that film, then that could make sense as to why it came on at that point. Uh, you know, it's... what station is he listening to? All that stuff, I don't fucking know. All right, you're you're running around where like I can maybe like like sell it as disbelief, but it's pretty freaking hard to believe that you'd have that epic of moments every time somebody turned on the radio. Except, but I feel like I will say there, you're right. There are very good moments of diegetic sound, like when the uh, drug dealer is turning on his stereo in yeah. his apartment. Yeah. 
and he's just and fucking he's doing like, like doing the, te- the techno music and he's doing the coke and i was like this is so appropriate i was like this yeah. is this is real well, yeah, or even when like yeah. the, when the girl the main girl is in her room and she's just dancing by herself to like that it's like almost like 80s kind of pop yeah you know electro which seemed music. appropriate um music for the scene but then the scene to me didn't feel appropriate to the movie but different story i i see what you mean the music fits there I don't. I mean, I don't think it was appropriate or not appropriate. I don't think it was either one. I think it was just that was like the first scene you really see of her, like besides her walking, you know, and it shows you like her kind of like unveiled and like in her like normal skin. And she likes to let her hair down, put on lipstick, and like kind of just be like a normal person, you know. And then I don't know. That's what I got out of it. It was just to me. It was like really hit or miss. Like I, f- I just got I've, the feeling that somebody chose the soundtrack and they were gonna put it in no matter what, and they just tried to make the soundtrack fit to what they had mm-hmm. shot. You know what I mean? Instead of like you shoot the movie and then you choose the soundtrack, it was like I've chosen the soundtrack, I've shot the movie. Now let me see where it works. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, can, I think I, I think it too, point, if you think about it too, like the the time and like the era that this was made in. Now you know, like. And it, it being like an indie film too, like I think it was this director's like first movie too, right? I believe so. And so you know, she's a young girl. She likes this kind of music. Like she maybe wanted to relate to this. Like she wanted this character to relate to her kind of thing. And you know, she wanted to make her seem like a like a just a like a young girl that like just likes to go home and like just dance to music and you know kind of thing. So like I don't think it was like necessarily that she picked the soundtrack and then. Well, but that that doesn't explain to me like the power plant scene. It doesn't explain to me the James Dean riding alone in his car scene. It doesn't explain to me the music when um, uh, Ranjit from How I Met Your Mother is like chasing the cat around the house. I was like, this is like the most intense music of all time. And it doesn't seem like it was chosen after this was filmed to me. I I mean... it, it's my I, opinion. I don't. I don't want to keep harping on the music simply because we we could literally do an entire episode where we're talking about the music. Yeah, because it's it's like very poignant. It's it's yeah. a, It's a it's a very like I said. I like the soundtrack. Yeah, I like the choices. I think a lot of movies in this style though these days have very strong soundtracks. Though, yeah, to them. it is. It is strongly emotional, and and you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. And I respect that about the film, but I, I just felt like. To me, if you were gonna craft this movie, like if it were my movie, and I was like, "Oh, this is my baby. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, set this up right." I, w- I just wouldn't have done it that way. It just didn't feel like someone put the effort into mend the music with the emotions of the scene. I, I think what the music does is, uh, it's more personal for each character. So, let's take James Dean driving, right? this big epic music. Well, why? Well, it could be that he turned on the radio and it just so happened to fucking be that thing, but, you know, chances are slim. I kind of look at it as... It's it's a bleak world that they live in. They live in a bleak place. I mean, it's fucking called Bad City. Yeah, which is... In itself, pretty terrible, but yeah, I got, I got you. <laughs> That's, it gets a point across. Yeah, obviously they like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay. very heavily Robert Rodriguez, yes. like like um, <laughs> Desperado, uh, exactly. El Mariachi. Yeah, but um, you have um, if, if 
I the James Dean scene scene that you're referring to is that after he, the little boy is like, "Can I have some money?" and he's like, oh, "No, I don't have money." He's like, you "That's have the that first car? one." Okay, yeah, so that's in, the first one. There's in two. In that case, yeah. he makes that point. He's like, "I had to work hard for it," you know. And we six were talking years. about this earlier. Yeah. Six years, I think Evan was saying. Um, and he gets in his car and he drives away, and you get that. And I think what it is is kind of basically saying like. We all have these moments in our in our life where the where the little things seem like the big things, you know, where being like, fuck, I earned this car like, you know, I worked like my hands to the bone for it. Like in our minds, sometimes we church that up and it's like this big epic thing. So that might be kind of where it's like his person or like the cat scene, right, where he's chasing the cat around. He's strung out. You know, he's like Ron G. You know, he's fuck. He's fucking crazy from like the drugs and shit. And, you know, he's thinking about his wife and he's he he's having this mental breakdown. And he's like, he's like, no, my wife is the cat and shit like that. So, you know, you have stuff like that where I think it's just from a perspective of, you know, in this person's mind, this is like the most important thing that's happening, you know, to them. I just this is something that is like. I see where I see, I see where you're getting at. Like it's character specific, and I hope that these characters had these extremely strong emotional mm. s- sounds going through their heads at this point, because then yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. By the way, the dad mm-hmm. is it Hossein? Hossein? Um I have the name. The, I, I, the, I, the drug addict. I thought of it as Hossein. Hossein. Do you know that he is the doctor in the Big Lebowski that goes? That uh, Maude is always talking about. He's a good doctor and thorough. She's talking about him, and then he's like, "Hello, Mister Lebowski. Will you please drop your pants?" Really? That's him. That's Hossein. That's him. Yes. Will you please remove your pants? Here's no, no, man. He, she hit me up here. Yes, I know, Mister Lebowski. Will you please drop <laughs> your pants? Here's, he's a good doctor, Jeffrey. Here's another interesting. Oh, yeah, thing. Also in True Lies. Being that we're talking about, he was, um, was he the bad guy from from True Lies? No, no, the bad guy um, was the guy that was in The Mummy. Oh, shit, it was, huh? Yeah. yeah. In True Lies, he played Jamal Khaled. I don't know who that is. It's mm. what DJ Khaled did before he was DJ Khaled. Oh, perfect. He was also in Pirates of the Caribbean. This guy's got a, a freaking... He's got freaking, a resume. He's a limo driver in How I Met Your Mother. That's what I know, know him from, primarily. This this movie had some people like that. It had the uh, the prostitute... She was from I Matt informed me from House of Cards. Oh, I guess, you right. know, so that's obviously kind of you Kevin know. Spacey paid yeah, for her that? name. Literally in the movie is Ati the prostitute. So uh, that's something <laughs> I want to talk about. When you look at the credits, in the credits you have their name and then their role. So you have Hossein the junkie, Adi or Ati the prostitute, Saeed the pimp, uh, Shaida the princess. Um, you know, you have all these, uh, the boss, the, the street urchin. Yeah. You have all these Who's the street urchin, the little boy. He's the little boy huh. who gets, who's the, the guy who, who's quote unquote, the rockabilly, the rockabilly. Um, so, uh, I don't know. He might've been like, um, one of the dudes like at the club of, or something. And like one that. of the guys in, in here on the credits is his, his name in the movie is DJ porno. <laughs> Sure. I think he's the D, the actual DJ in the like when they're at the club or Still, whatever. Terrible TV, DJ. DJ porno. I'm just saying, dude. When you're in Iran, I never. If I ever become a DJ, but this movie is clearly not in Iran. Right? No, I know. If I ever become a DJ, there. guys, my DJ name is going to be DJ Tanner. DJ Tanner. Hey yo, Full House. <laughs> 
You know, it's that's a good, good. DJ name. That's, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. I like that. I like that. Copyright. Okay, this, this movie, though, is so clearly not in Iran. Like, they don't have oil derricks in the middle of Iran. Well, that's what, like, uh, I was reading, like, a little bit of, like, the spoof stuff, or, like, the the goofs, I guess, on IMDb about this movie is, like, all the, like, it's supposed to be in Iran, obviously, and it was filmed in California, and they were saying even, like, the train that goes by in that one scene, like, it legitimately has, like, on the side of it painted like whatever company it, is like the train is, but that like only goes through California. <laughs> yeah, Union Pacific. Yeah, yeah essentially. Yeah. Well, Surfliner. It's, it, to me, it's like this movie was very heavily trying to be a Western, but yeah. only when it was convenient. Like, like exactly that. Like, there's a railroad. Like, there's a real Western feel. Like, there's yeah. oil. It's like oil. So is land. that what they meant? They meant by Western vampire Western? Because I was confused on this. Like, yeah. when it, I when it, I hear the word like, oh, this is a Western movie, I think of westerns that we gunfights and you know, cowboys. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't cowboys. think there was gonna be like gunfights and stuff. I, so what, what I thought it was gonna be you? was like in Iran, in war torn Iran. You know, you would have like this vampire, and it's kind of like a good guy trying to like, oh fuck, vampire, pow pow pow. But I guess that, that is guns. But you know what I mean. Well, western western can mean many things, right? It could but, just mean but west out west. Common in in the western is the anti hero anti hero. Um, also, the air, like desert. Desert scenery, arid desert, high desert okay. is westerny, which is had or western uh, motifs, such as you know the good guy saves the the innocent girl. It's a western motif, like the good guy versus the band of of bandits. Yeah, I mean, you even like, have you know yeah. you know cowboys versus Indians, the good yeah. guys versus the the bandits. Yeah, like that's a western motif. So like this one, like being. The girl who's the vampire, you know, killing people who is who are bad or essentially harming the, other the feminist vampire who's killing men who harm people who, who aren't good, right? Right. Yeah. That's definitely Western. It's very West, like Western genre. Did you guys ever read and and the slower pace, like the soundtrack, the it's it's kind of dualish where the yeah. the the vampire chick is standing off against those who are. Immoral. Yeah, and here's something that's it interesting. Is, it is a West. Kind of about that, too, is you hardly ever see more than two people in a scene. You know, you have her talking to Arash, her talking to the boy, yep. her talking to the girl, um, the, the prostitute, her um, talking, to the pimp. talking to the pimp. Like, it's all... The only time, I think, is... Duels. At the, uh, the party... Is when you yeah, see one people. you see kind of a group of people, and even then, you know, it, it's most mainly, of the time yeah. it's it's mainly um, it's mainly Arash and like quote the princess. The, her friend is there, but her friend doesn't do much. No, you know, and that is actually the director. She but, is. But this is the problem that I have. It's like in, like this movie is intrinsically like an oxymoron because to have a western is very dif- difficult to make a Middle Eastern movie because Middle Eastern ideals do not like align with like Western ideals, you yeah. know? And it's, it's clear because a rash has is to me, like he's, tr- he has classical middle Eastern ideals. Like women should not be alone with men in their right. bedrooms. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, well, what, I, I'm going to, I'm going to actually step in there. I don't think he has that ideal. I think that was him kind of being like, Hey, your parents, like that's the whole, like, Oh, well, you no, know, but your he's parents still, old school. He still holds to those like, 
traditions, and I think that he understands them and, and respects them. Yeah, I think that's why he's think, like, actually at heart being a he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. and I think that like he has a point. James has a point where like it's it is kind of more like with Middle Eastern, and I mean I might be completely wrong or naive to this, but I mean we're not masters that, in Middle Eastern. The fact that yeah. she is a woman. You know what I mean? Mm. And she's like the, the powerful main character of this movie. Yeah. And a lot of Middle Eastern, you know, things, whatever, yeah. culture. Mm. The that woman may not is, be always the case. The yeah. woman is not, you well, know, the powerful figure. And they're, they're always kind of like... You're they're exactly supposed to not, right. They're not you're supposed ex- to talk to men. They're not supposed to... Even the vampire with all the power wears a headdress so she's not like seen, right. you know, in, in the yeah. public. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So Something that I think is kind of... And, and that's where having a western where we're saying it doesn't fit with that i think that could be part partially the point or part of um maybe not the point but something that she really wanted to do maybe was because you wouldn't normally see a movie come out of you know a filmmaker from that area that would concentrate on a female lead that not only that but where she would be quote the hero um Mm -hmm. You know, but even then, it's like it's kind of it's not even just straight up like, oh, you know, here comes the cowboy with the white hat riding in and cleaning up town. Um, You know that this this cowboy, this uh, lead wears a black hat, you know, it's kind of like Jonah Hex cowboy. You know, if you ever read any of the Jonah Hex comics. And yeah, stuff. it's it's the anti-hero. It's the yeah. anti-hero, you know. It's but the, the, man, the man with no name. Yeah. It, exactly. And I, I think that made it really interesting. Um. Did you guys? I've asked you guys a billion times. Have you watched any more uh, of Tony Zhao's Every Frame of Painting? No, or, or recently? No, no. So uh, he did one recently um, about poetry in film, and he what he defines as, as when a film is poetic. You know, he asks the question: When I say a film is poetic, what does that make you think? And a lot of people say, you know, well, it's a movie that doesn't really have a plot. It's a movie in which nothing much happens. You know, it's kind of just there. It exists to exist. Um, He kind of points out that it has to do with the details in his mind. In his mind, it's a movie um, that you can look at, that you can listen to um, and kind of see those combinations. And it's something that you can enjoy and sticks with you and kind of like essentially imprints you but not necessarily having to do with what the story was about, but visually you kind of feel after seeing and hearing these combinations. And I think that would be one key word to use with, from my point of view with this film is this film is poetic. You know, it has a lot of striking images and sounds. I, I did. I see what you're on. And I did get this feeling where I told, I told my girlfriend this directly after viewing it. She was like, how was the movie? And I was like, I felt like I went to an art gallery with a very mm-hmm. strong theme mm-hmm. and all the paintings were like tied in with this theme. Yeah. That's what I felt like after I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's an art gallery full of art. It felt like a, like an art film, you know, but an art film with a bigger budget, you know. Yeah. And um, like you, you, you were saying, Evan, if this is her first movie, she's probably got a lot to say and a lot of ideas. And I think a lot of them... We're just like, let's try to get it all in this one project. Basically, I kind of got that feeling of like, this is my one chance. I may not get another chance. I want to do everything that I can. I I would love to do a Western. I would love to do a vampire. I would love to do this. I'd love to do that. And she kind of got it all in one. You've hit it. Can I I, transition this into my analogy for this movie? Yeah. Go ahead, Evan. You go first. Oh, I was just going to say, I 
I get the feeling that this is a um, a very feminist type woman yeah. who made this movie, yeah. which is fine. Like I, uh, I just feel like that she was trying to portray like the strength of women in movies and things like that. Yeah, the lead vampire bodies. Yeah, and like and especially being Middle Eastern culture and things like mm-hmm. that. Like the woman is like the most powerful person in this movie. Um, so I, that's like that. That's the main. I guess agenda that I got across when I saw this movie okay. and it's totally fine. And I thought it was like, I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. I it, think it, it was, was great. It was a pretty decent way to get that across. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's, yeah. And it was, it wasn't like, I mean, there's like little things that we can pick and, and, and pull out of this that were like, you know, eh, like this was, this didn't make sense. Things like that. But I still think that like, if, if I would had to give this, movie like a percentage rating i would still give it like a at least a 90 percent. you know what i mean like it was this movie was really really good mm-hmm. but go on to what you were saying so this is my analogy right and analysis no analogy oh your analogy so okay. you let me know how you feel let me know if this this relates to you but i felt like this movie was like when you go to a choose your own topping froyo place mm-hmm. you go to get some frozen yogurt right you're like hmm they got like six really unique flavors they have like two salad bars worth of toppings and I want all of it. I want like uh, you choose three different flavors and you choose all the toppings you want and you get, you're like, this is amazing because I get everything I ever wanted in one. Like, this is cool. Like I really want Reese's like, this is cool. I really want strawberries. This is cool. I want peanut butter ice cream. This is cool because I want, um, you know, butternut toffee ice cream. Yeah. You put it all together and you're like, this is going to be the best ice cream of all time because I've chosen everything that's cool that I want. Yeah. And then when you eat it, you're like, meh, you know, that's all right, but I kind of went overboard. Mm-hmm. I felt like that movie was, there. this movie was like that. Like, the director was like, I want to do a lot of cool things with this, and I'm going to put them all together in one. Like you said, like, I've got my one shot. Let me do it all. And she puts together a bunch of cool things, a cool soundtrack, really cool images, like like a cool uh theme where she's like you know i got this idea i'm gonna show this like feminist culture in a classical uh setting and i'm gonna mix it a western but it was almost too much of a melting pot of a movie for Mm -hmm. me i'm like it where if you would have just gone with the peanut butter ice cream and the reese's cups it would have been better than all the shit you put on that froyo Mm -hmm. and i'm like this movie was cool but it wasn't the best it could be yeah yeah, I, I I agree. It wasn't I mean, the perfect harmony. I th- I think going off of what you're saying, I um, I think this movie. Now this is gonna be like my my main thought on this movie. I don't think that, like, if you were to ask me if this was a horror movie, I would just I would say no. I would think that I think that this movie first and foremost is a a romance movie. Well, it's about finger sucking. Because <laughs> yeah. there's so much finger sucking like in this movie. So, it's so erotic, too. Yeah. yeah a oh, lot man. of deep throating fingers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I would say that this is a, a romance movie with an underlying of a bit of horror because of the fact that she's a vampire. I think yeah. that that vampire, I mean, vampire movies a lot of times are romantic anyways. Yeah. I think that that kind of just played in the romanticism of it. Yeah. And I think this is more of just a movie about her and, um, what's the dude's name? Arash. 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 Uh, Arash. He has a rash. Um, I feel like it's just more of a, a movie about him and her, like, 
there's a strange figuring bond. out that they like they like each other. You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's it's, it's almost very like clear. I was more interested in that than her yeah. killing people. Killing yeah, no, I mean she only killed people. Good two people in this movie. Yeah, and it's like. Even though it was awkward and odd, like whenever they had interactions, and they they actually never kiss in the movie. No, they never have any physical emotion. But there's so much chemistry. Yeah, and like so that's what made this movie so cool to me. That it was like, it was it was marketed as a horror movie and a vampire movie. But in if you actually watch it, it's more about like just human emotion and like and you know this guy is going through you know the all the garbage with his father and. His life, his mother, his mom's dead, and then he he meets this girl. He has no clue who she is, but he falls in love with her, or so we think. He, you yeah, know, he's right captivated away. by her, and it's I, I think that's more. She she of kills what this at movie least at least three people. Though, I think right? uh, yeah. She kills, she, she, she kills that that the pimp, um, the pimp the and pimp. then Arash's dad she and the bum. dad and the bum. Oh yeah, the bum. Yeah, the bum. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then almost the little boy. <laughs> yeah. That oh, was like that was the, that was probably the scariest yeah. part of the movie. And yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it was kind of terrifying. That dude. deep voice. I, yeah. I also did get a little creeped out when she was killing Arash's dad because yeah. I felt like that was like such a vicious murder. Yeah. Like she was killing him because of what he wanted to do to the prostitute, which I understood. I was like redemption, yeah. but at the same I time, I was like it was so. Vicious. I think it was different. I think so. You remember how earlier in the movie she was talking to the prostitute and she was like, she wants I know you don't want to do this anymore. Like this whatever. is not what you want to do. Yeah. And then when it was going down, the prostitute was looking at the cat and it almost like seemed like the cat had like a, like a, it was, she, the cat was like a, like a transmission to, yeah. like, to the girl. Yeah. No, I, I wrote that down. It was almost like the cat was kind of her eyes. Yeah. Like a gateway. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You never know the, the vampires, the vampire girl, girl's name, anyways, in this movie. Yeah, she's just the girl. The girl. She's just the girl. Um, Real quick, before we yeah, get any deeper, yeah, yeah, can we talk about the dead bodies in the beginning? That oh yeah, we yeah, never touched yeah, on. This is well, a good question, but I have yeah. not thought. Yeah, I've not solved. This. I didn't when I, when he first drove by it. I was like, what the f? And yep. then like later, yep. you see somebody like throwing a body in it, and I was yep. like, yep. What is going on? It was Morgan from The Walking Dead. He was clearing, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I did. I didn't get so that either. A, I was like, "This is a tie into The Walking oh, Dead." This, this was this was a, a very interesting point to me. This is what I found the most intriguing. I was like, "Why does this town accept that there's a ditch full of dead bodies outside?" So I I have a theory on this, um, and I think this is where, and again, this is not a hundred percent accurate. It's filmed in California. You know, there there's not. You know, a, a Union Pacific train going through Iran. But I think that's the kind of... Uh, that's part of the melting pot where she has things she wants to say. And a lot of that is... I figured it was some kind of like agenda that she wanted to get across like, yeah. subtly. Like in, in you know, in... I, I don't know what it's like in Iran. You know, um, I've, I've seen stuff from Iraq. I've seen stuff from Afghanistan and all that stuff. I've seen documentaries and stuff where they talk about, yeah, sometimes there's just, you'll be coming home from the grocery store and there's literally like five dead bodies on the street. The Hurt Locker is not a documentary, yeah. by the way. That's I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, <laughs> did you ever see the documentary? It, it was on Netflix for a while. Um, it's not there anymore. It's called Heavy Metal in Baghdad. Yeah. Um, it's a great documentary. I'm not going to lie. made me cry like a baby. Um, it's about this uh, band. They're a heavy metal band and they're like the only heavy metal band in like Baghdad and like, 
all the other bands gave up and, and shit. But they're talking about, you know, kind of how, like, sometimes they won't practice for a month because, and they live, like, down the street from each other. They live, like, a block away. And it's because, like, yeah, sometimes there's just too much gunfighting going on outside, you know, and it, it's not worth it, you know. They're like, yeah, sometimes, you know, the cell towers go down and I won't be able to text my bassist and I'll think to myself, I'll have to have the thought, mm, I hope I don't have to find a new bassist. He might be dead, you know. So I think what it, how that plays into it is just the whole, you know, people dying all the time and how it's such a part of just kind of normalcy in 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 that part of the world to where it's just like, yeah, there's just a ditch of dead bodies. Like there's so many of them. They can't, you know, bury them all. You just kind of toss them aside. I think it was literally just to kind of show like, Things suck in the other parts of the world. Um, I, I don't know that it went much deeper than that. How about you? I was getting like Bad City, which is a terrible name. It's like a play on Sin City, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just felt like that it's there. This is the best topic for debate, in my opinion. But I felt like the ditch of dead bodies was to show that the town has like a lackadaisical attitude towards like crime and death and uh, overall like poor being. Like to me, it established the idea that the town was doomed to begin with. Like it was a yeah. town that was downtrodden and, and just shitty and people were shitty and it was didn't, Gotham. They didn't care. Yeah. They didn't care about life. Yeah. But well, I felt like that was kind of on the surface, but that's all I could get from it. I, I read that it was the town that they lived in was supposed to be a ghost town. Okay. Apparently. Like a deserted town. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't I don't know. Like where but, there's but then very I, but, small population. But then I didn't get it because there was like when they showed her in like the city, like when she would go home and things like that, like it looked like a normal town. Like yeah. I mean every time yeah. they showed her it was at night, so everything everybody was like off the streets, but um like I didn't get really the ghost town vibe of it, but I don't know, like like it was like a yeah, like a like a yeah, I got a, a small war ridden town or something like that. Yeah. It was like it was immoral, like people were like you know no nobody was on the up and up. Everybody was like I hate my life. Yeah, so I I felt like it was like a western in that it was like a small population, very small town, but yet there was so many dead bodies in that ditch that I was like. People just accept that life is terrible. Yeah. I guess there must have been. Yeah, I, that's the best I could get from. I that. got out of like when I when I saw that the 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 two times or whatever. It was like I just thought to myself like, oh, she's trying to like, I don't know, get the point across of like some political Iran- Iranian thing. Like, I don't know. I have, I don't know. I hope so. I hope, I Iran, hope I had so. Middle yeah. Eastern ties because that I was unaware of. Especially so. because you see, in, hold more meaning on the TV. You have that one dude that they call Boss or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he just has these weird commercials going on, and yeah, it's kind of like you know, be a good woman and like do this for your man and like blah blah blah. You know, so like I, I think. Oh yeah, that that fades away. I huh. feel like it does. yeah, I I get the vibe that she was basically like she's Iranian, the director, yeah, and the writer, yeah, the writer. And she is and basically talking shit on Iran. Yeah. As far as their culture and what they think of women and what they, you know, what is what is right and what is wrong. And she's trying to break away from that. And that, she wants to. Th- that's clear when you see the vampires like home base and it's full of American pop yeah. culture. Yeah. yeah. Like her, her room. Yeah. 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 
Um, something that was kind of interesting while we're talking about vampire is um, Arash. He goes to that costume party where um, uh, he starts dealing drugs. Which, which a whole the whole idea that there's like this upscale costume party where like the rich are doing ecstasy and having a yeah. good time. Mm-hmm. I was like, that doesn't fit in with the idea of a western and a ghost town. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and an immoral town. I think well, that right? fits in more and, with the Iranian stuff. And even when he was like going home after that, he's like walking by like condos and like apartments. Yeah. that are Yeah. Like, look like Irvine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, he, he, you know, he's dressing up as uh, Dracula. You know, he's dressing up and he's becoming a vampire and stuff. But I thought what was interesting is we see in that um, little montage, he's making his costume. We see his dad freaking out about the cat. We see um, the girl. We see the rich girl. We see everyone like transforming, essentially, which is kind of interesting to me. It just seemed like everyone at one point took a turn. You know, he... he started, he physically changed his appearance by dressing in the costume, but then also, you know, he started dealing drugs. That was a big turning point for him because he's always been just kind of like, Oh, I'm the, you know, laborer or whatever. And then he stumbles across the drugs at, uh, the pimp's house. I didn't really get why he started doing that. Like, was it just so he can earn some extra money? That's yeah. To me, it was like, yeah, it, it was, was, it was, it was opportun- a good point. It was opportunistic. He got his car back. He saw the drugs, he saw the money, and he's like, all right, cool. And and to me, he wanted to wear the, the skin of somebody else for a while because he had the opportunity. He put on a costume. He could be somebody he wasn't, and what he could sell drugs. He could wear a costume. He yeah, could yeah, yeah. be somebody who wasn't. He could party with people he doesn't normally party with. Yeah. And so it was like him... Experiencing a little bit of a different life, and then he goes and finds the vampire chick, and he's like, "No, nah, this is what I want. I don't want this like superficial life." Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he was uh, Aladdin, you know, where he gets his wishes and he can, um, you know, transform into a prince. Yeah, <laughs> as have, have everything he wants urchin, for a while. Street yeah. urchin. Yep. You know, um, but speaking of the street urchin, the little boy, we we're talking about. Um, you know how she him. how she terrified him and stuff like that. She had some good killer lines with him. The only killer lines in the movie, really. But um, she's shaking him down, really, and she shows like she's got super speed and stuff. Um, something I thought this movie did pretty interestingly was um, I don't know that it was practical effects, but they they did a lot of really cool framing and a lot of really cool stuff with the way that she moved. Um, they had her follow behind at a distance, like when she's following the prostitute, um, where rather than looking like a person following her, she looked like a shadow fo- like on the wall being cast from the prostitute. You know, and it, it, she kept enough of a distance where they kind of had that like feel of she wasn't really there. Like she was she was actually a shadow. And um, eventually she steals that that skateboard from the street urchin and she's just riding. She's Tony Hawk pro skater, uh, fucking Tehran. She's carving it up. She's carving it up. Old school. Tony Alva style. Gleaming although, the although there's even the cube. She, yeah, she's gleaming the cube. Christian Slater, Christian Slater would question though. The, the one shot where she's like pulling herself along the wall on the skateboard. Well, and that's, I feel like, I felt like that was more of just like a emotional, like she was just like bored and like yeah. looking like she was, I, I would say you're definitely bored if you're doing that. <laughs> I feel but, like this movie had a lot of just like 
weird emotion in it. Like, and, and that's that's where I was kind of talking about. You before. see her dancing alone. A you see her in the poetic. bathtub. You see her like like oh, she's like by the she's way, very alone. Titty count. Oh, two. Just those two? Just Do you see two. both of hers? Yeah. I think you only see yeah, one no, of them, though. One no, is underwater. One is underwater. Yeah, yeah, she pops from both out. Obs- right. Obscured. Almost a prostitute, there. too. Almost. Almost. And then he injected her with heroin. Yeah. And that was kind of a bummer. Oh, man. That made me feel like oh. straight Requiem for a dream. Like, hey, I'm, let's have a good time. Yeah. A like good when time. the old let's dude party. like injects oh. his, himself with heroin in his toes. That's an opening shot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the whole fucking thing where I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, fuck. Just because, like, okay, that old dude sucks. You know what I mean? Like, he's just there. He's like, I'm sick. I need my medicine. It's like, no, you're a fucking junkie. But the, the thing is, when Arash finally gets fed up with him and he just throws him, like, money, and then he's like, oh, go. There's your medicine. You know, yeah. there's your medicine. Like, you know, and take the cat. If you're going to take this, like, you have to get out of the house kind of thing. Yeah. That- and because, and, like, I, just putting yourself in that headspace of, like, fuck, you know what he's going to do with that money. You know he's going to go. You know he's going to die. You know, you're you're putting a loaded gun in front of someone who's suicidal. But he doesn't die because of the money. He dies he, he, just because of... He doesn't die directly in that one night because of it. But with the amount of money that he had and with what he was doing to himself... It, yeah, it's I mean, he was... Yeah. I it, think he still died because of it because he went and he paid money to the prostitute slash drug dealer to get more drugs. Yeah, he did not. Remember earlier yeah, the, but he didn't pay the vampire to kill him. No, no, no but, but he but he remember earlier in the movie the prostitute he was following her yeah, in the park he, and he, he was wanted like, it for free and she yeah, said no she's way. like come back to me when you have money and so he went back to her when he had money and he bought more drugs. Yeah. And he does drugs with but, her. Yeah, point. but I felt like he dies because he forces her to do drugs that she doesn't want to do. Which well, has nothing to do with yeah, the money. But but he it bought, do. It he bought the, the drugs with the money, A, and B, let's say that scene He never did happened. not buy the drugs. Yes, he did. Arash gives him the drugs from the briefcase. Yeah, but you don't know he did the drugs. He? I thought he just gave him money. No, no he, he gives, gives him drugs, him too. drugs oh, too? and yeah. money, and then he uses the money to buy the prostitute. In, in, in either case, the, the point is that scene where he's giving him the tools one way or another to kill himself. Whether it... Because, ha- okay, yes. I he, agree, he, I agree. You know... But he he was not... Those tools he was not going to use to be murdered by a vampire. No, he wasn't going to use to be murdered by a vampire, but he was just going to go on a bender and eventually end up dead. Yeah. You yeah. That, I'll that, agree that's with what we're going with that. Yeah. You know, as Arash, you know, Arash isn't going to be like, oh, some vampire is going to kill him. He's, he's like, yeah. oh, fucking get out of my Fair. life, disappear. Okay. Um, but that, that kind of, I don't know why that struck a chord with me, but it was, it was just kind of like, fuck, like what kind of headspace you got to be in. But before I kind of wrap up on that, um, <clears throat> There, there was a whole little skateboard scene where she's moving herself along the wall. There's a shadow following people type of thing. Um, I, what was interesting was you see her moving herself along the wall. You see her hands on the wall, so you see that's how she's moving. But because you don't really see everything else, you kind of see that eerie gliding we are talking about with the Babadook. You know, you saw kind of that like gliding shadow thing uh, that we saw also with um, uh, Dr. Caligari. Cabinet Dr. Caligari. And that's where I kind of brought up um, practical effects in the sense of they're kind of showing you this is how you fucking do it. You put someone on a skateboard, make sure the skateboard's not on the shot, and you pull them towards the camera or away from the camera or whatever. Hmm. And that's how you get that eerie move. But I just thought that was kind of cool. But Good point. At the end, though, he ends up, he gives his father the tools. He gives his father the tools to destroy his life. 
he then meets this girl, falls in love with her, and they kind of, you know, whatever. You know, they have their, like, I guess, romance or whatever. She kills him. He finds out that she's the one who killed his father. Because of the cat. Because of the cat, you know. And when he saw his father dead, he wasn't like, oh, fucking good riddance. He was like, it was almost at that moment of, like, what have I done? Yeah. You know. Yeah, but that's where I have a problem with, with, with movies like this where when people are like, like, oh, what have I done? It's like. Yeah, what you did was you fucking gave that guy the tools to yeah, kill himself. Yeah. That's what you, you did. You, you have that. And the thing is, there's almost that moment when he sees a cat of like, oh, thank God. It wasn't because what I did. But then there's a the whole, oh, she killed him. And he sees like, you know, the all the watches yeah. and the jewelry. And, he you know, she mentions it before. You don't know all the terrible things I've done. You know, and. And then he, he pulls over the car and like contemplates it. And then. Doesn't care, I guess. Yeah, I don't think he does at he's, this point. Like his which, his life is done, which like is strange. He has nothing to, to live for. So he, he like he's mm-hmm. very moralistic throughout the movie. He tries on somebody else's skin for a while. Yeah, doesn't like it. Yeah, goes back to himself, which is what wins the girl. And then when he, like in the moment where he's supposed to show his true colors, where he's yeah. like, "I know who killed my father. That's I let my wrong. father on this path. I should, you know, redeem myself." He doesn't do it. Yeah. Which I was like, oh. That, that, Interesting that was, choice. That was a weird way, and that was the end of the movie, too. Yep. That was, you know, he pulls over, he gets out, and you're like, okay, he's going to, like, fucking do something. And no, and then he just goes back and sits in the car with her, and they just kind of have that moment, and they mellow out. and Hide off in the sunset. Yeah, it, it was just, that was a weird choice to me. and uh, I get I, the feeling that he knew who she was from the very beginning. The first time he ever saw her. Well, you yeah, you get that from the fact that they lead, they lead very similar lives in that yeah. she by night stalks people and kills people, but by day, you know, she's very innocently like dancing in her room and like praising American pop culture and whatnot. Yeah. But and he's like he's trying on somebody else's skin at night, like he could be Dracula, he can go to raves he can sell drugs because of but, it, it, but, indiscreetly what she's done but by the I've, way I've, that scene at the club or whatever that party that whole scene where he like does ecstasy and everybody is I, I don't know why but i fucking love that scene i love where he's staring at the street light yeah just just the way just the way it's all shot the way the music plays in the way the characters fade in and out i i love that and then there's the ronnie reagan mask guy yeah you remember that from point break <laughs> yeah um so it, it was just, I don't know why I love that scene, the way it looked. But anyway, continue. I, I just feel like um, you he meets her way earlier in the movie, though. Yeah. He sees her when she leaves the pimp's house after she kills him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sees her right outside of his house. And he knows that she killed the pimp because he goes in there and he sees the pimp dead. And he takes his money and drugs and then he takes his car back. So he obviously knows that this chick killed that guy. Yeah, and he seems not to recognize her, which is like... No, I don't think he you? doesn't seem... I, I think he does know who she is, but he doesn't care. He was just high out of his mind on ecstasy and at he, that point, And it's too. at that point, it's like he's... He just thinks that she's beautiful, and he, like, falls in love with her. Yeah. So that's a, that's, that's a part that, like, kind of confused me, and I was just like, okay, well, maybe he's just like, I don't know, into weird chicks. And then... You know, he goes back to her house, and then they play music, and she just caresses his body. I guess and they never, yeah. they never do anything, and then he's in love with her. I don't know, but 
I just thought it was weird. Like he knew the whole time who she was. I don't think he realized that she was a killer when he yeah. realized that she killed his father. I think she he knew he was a she was a killer from the beginning when he saw her. Mm-hmm. Because she had when she walked out, she had blood all over her mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It, but it is a little bit of the romance story is culled from the fact that there's two people who have a moralistic side to themselves. With, but whether they're not 100% pure, maybe her, him more than her, but they're not 100% pure, but they do have this like these morals in a town that doesn't even care about this ditch full of dead bodies. So it's like yeah. they're almost attracted to each other because they're like, the best of the worst. Yeah, like they're, they're the they're the freaks, the freak shows. So like they they yeah. attract to each other. They have like somewhat of like a personal, not motive, but like like optimism about themselves. Even though they do bad things, obviously her she kills people. Like yeah. he he's not as bad, but he's still trying on the life of a drug dealer, right? Yeah, they 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 don't mind crossing over into the bad, but really they're both kind of good people. Do you think it has like a classic vampire uh, theme to it to where, you know, like the the story of Dracula is very, even though he's a vampire and he kills people, like women are very attracted to him and he seduces people very easily. And Cause yeah, that's how she kind of got the pimp too. Like, you know, he was like, Hey, what's going on? Like, do you think it has a, a like a vibe of that a little bit? Like, like she's so messed up and, or she's a vampire so or whatever. Like, so she's like so weird. And, and the fact that like he knew that she killed somebody, but he was still attracted to her. Yeah. I see where you're going at. Like, she's so like, he knows that she has an evil side, but she's so alluring that he doesn't care. Right. Sure. Yeah. A little hypnotistic, but I also think like it's somewhat conscious on his part, which might defer from the classic dracula tale yeah but but i see what you're saying like there's a very strong dracula basis to her character where she's intrinsically she has this evil about her but she can be suave and she can be good and that's what he's attracted and to. it kind of works the, the same way with him though because like when she finally meets him after the party that night he's he's obviously on drugs but he the way he like talks and stuff is like very like poetic and like because he's just like out of his mind but he's i don't know like i think that like the nod to that is that he's dressed like dracula and he calls himself dracula the whole time very much it's kind of like oh and then like when he writes the letter he's like he signs it as dracula because they don't she doesn't know his name yet yeah 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 yeah. no man i um I, i i liked this movie i did it as uh I think, like you said, the thing is it's marketed as a horror film, especially coming here to the States. And that's where I think, you know, its biggest flaw is, um, yeah, you do have the whole, there's a big melting pot of stuff going on there. But I don't mind that too much because if they would have called it, you know, here's your quirky Wes Anderson film, you know, I'd have been like, okay, cool. Like, I know what I'm in for. Wes would have got the soundtrack right, though. Yeah, like it would have matched it up. <laughs> in my opinion. All right, but I'm just saying that's that's the best part of style. Wes Anderson films, in my opinion. And I think I think going into this movie knowing that it's a it's an artistic, yeah, type agenda indie film, mm-hmm. you'll still like it if you know that from the if you if you go into it thinking like oh this is gonna be a horror vampire movie yeah you're gonna be disappointed yeah well I agree like 
like I said, there's like the best that you want of the Froyo toppings. Like there's really good cinematography. There's like good effects. Like like the the framing is brilliant. But for some reason, it doesn't all mesh together to be this perfect symphony, right? I, like I, it's good. Like yeah. there are like same things you can pick out on it that it's just like, ooh, it's incredibly yeah. good. But I, for some reason, it doesn't completely mesh. And I think that's kind of that, that's a good analogy is the Froyo. It's kind of like. I feel like the way to watch this movie is you go to the little f- topping bar, you get your toppings, but you don't mix them all up. What you do is you put them in little sections on your froyo, and you get like an extra bowl or something. And when you go sit down or whatever, you kind of take them and put them in their separate things and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna have some strawberries. Oh, that's, I'm gonna that's have a, this." That's a seasoned veteran right there. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> I really want some froyo now. Um, so, James, something that um, you know is with this movie, there was kind of a lot of a lot going on, and it was pretty unique in that sense so i'm wondering if you even have a a killer dissection analysis for this film well i mm, it's weak i'll be honest it's okay okay but let's talk about um two things um first of all a simple one let's talk about costuming I don't know if we've talked about costuming in Killer Dissection, but I don't think so. The no. co- the costuming in this is underrated because it again, like a froyo topping, by itself, very good. The costuming in here, just between the the vampire chick, she's costumed very cleverly. It's in the traditional Middle Eastern Iranian woman garb, which by the way, did you happen to notice is so similar to Dracula? Like oh, she wow. is yeah, yeah, yeah. so close mm-hmm. to Dracula. Yeah, she's got the classic fangs. She's mm-hmm. got the black mm-hmm. cape. Like she's got like the dark silhouette. Yep. The only thing missing is that she's not like tall and handsome. Yeah. But she's beautiful. She's small but, and cute. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, like the, yeah. Let Let's just get this out at their own table. So hot. She's a fox. I I, I was into her. Oh, I yeah. thought she was a fox. Yep. Anyway, continue. But the costuming is very clever in this and. Um, it's a, it's a tough world being in costuming and I haven't done it personally. Um, because the only, the only experience I have in a production studio is all story, but costuming is important. And you can see in this movie that someone put a lot of thought into it because you have the, like the main chick is crafted like Dracula, like classic Dracula, but not too heavy. Mm. Then you actually have a scene where the modern Dracula costuming is juxtaposed with, you know, um, a rash who's in a classical Dracula costume. And you have like almost a like modern Dracula meets classic Dracula. Yeah. You know, which Dracula is classic, which is a theme in it to itself. And it's like, you know, Dracula falls in love with Dracula, which yeah. I thought was really clever. So I just wanted to bring out killer dissection, like pay attention to the, the costuming because it's, Someone is spending their entire full-time career on thinking about those costumes. And it's yeah. apparent in this. Just in her costuming, in his costuming, not only as Dracula, but then also when he's like the James Dean rebel character. Because he's shown as, you know, he's the titular character. He he is going to be the, the hero or the protagonist of the story. And he's dressed in the jeans and the, the white shirt, which is yeah. so classic Americana. Yeah, which is classic, like Western, like and, modern and, Western. And then you have her room with all the American 
kind yeah. of well, western stuff too. So that, that that would be that. It's kind of interesting that she ends up attracted to him. Well, don't you know? a lot of right. Well, she I, would be right. Yeah. To the James Dean character, I might I might not be correct in this, but don't a lot of like um, cultures like um, I don't know if it's just Middle Eastern cultures or whatever, but like don't they don't they really idolize like American culture in that sense? Like yeah. as far I, as like style and music. And I'm sure. Like that? Yeah. Yeah, so I, like I think it, it's, it can it's make a common, sense. It's, yeah, it's a common theme. They, like I, I know, like Japan is like that. Like Japan, like thinks like America, American like culture is yeah. like, the greatest well, thing on and, earth, and that's why they did like you know the uh, the Honda Shadow or whatever for their you know motorcycle or whatever. That's like their Go America motorcycle. You know, like the, you can oh see the that. Vincent Black Shadow, yeah, made by Honda, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that it's it's. You know, they, they do their sport bikes, they do that, but then they keep doing that for a reason. It's an ode to the, the Harley, classic yeah, Harley. The, yeah. the Harley, yeah. the Indian, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So I thought the costuming was brilliant. And I also thought the choice of black and white was curious. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if it was the director was like, it'd be cool to do a Western that's a vampire flick. And by the way, I'm going to shoot it in black and white and I'm going to throw three cool things together. Or if it was like the idea that Black and white is simple, and it's a throwback, and westerns were in black and white, and this movie is going to have very strong and simple themes of, like, feminism, Mm -hmm. and, you know, a dark city, and immoral versus moral, and we're going to shoot this in black and white, so it represents, like, very strong and apparent themes that are not complex, but I, like... When filmmakers choose to use black and white this day and age, it's for a reason. Like, no one's doing it for Budget. fun. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, black and white's more expensive than shooting in color this day yeah. and age. So, this filmmaker, it's like, hopefully, she's not doing it just because she thought black and white was cool. I'd like to believe that, like, you know, killer dissection wise, you chose black and white for a reason. It's to show that this theme has very, or this movie has very. There's good and there's Thick evil themes, yeah. and and there's no gray area. Yeah, right? that's what I felt like too. I mean, I feel like it was black and white, definitely for a reason, but also just I mean, like I don't know, it 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 made it seem darker to me. It yeah. fit the city. It fit the like it made you feel city. like yeah, like the like the whole like the city they lived in. It made it feel more deserted mm-hmm. or ghost townish. Yep. It made the characters feel more dry and kind of like, you know, I mean, like they were like each character was that was what they were all about. Like the pimp was a pimp. The prostitute was a prostitute and drug dealer. Yeah. The dad was an addict. Yeah. And and the good guys, the good guy, the good girls, the good girl, you know, and even like when they were like, I don't know, it just was it was I don't know how to explain it. It just it fit though. I feel like it was if it was in color, it would have been a completely different movie. Yeah. I, I think so too, and it kind of fit that like like r- the the romance in it kind of worked in the black and whiteness too. Yeah, which which plays into her character because her character is the most transverse. Where we see her in the all black Dracula garb, and she's dark, but we also see her when she's dancing in a room. She's dressed in white t-shirts yeah. and light colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a a good versus evil. She's got both sides. So I think it's very apparent in her character. One question is why why do you think that she's the only person in this whole movie that's dressed in the the traditional Iranian like outfit, the 
the hood and um, and cloak, and nobody else in the yeah. movie was. Well, I think you know the the prostitute a is not fitting the traditional right. lifestyle. Right. Be the um, but like even like people in the background, yeah, like you don't the, see anybody dressed like well, that the thing is except the, for her. The princess, you know, the only other real female that we see in this, um, she's kind of this high society. You know, she's got a t- she's got a TV going, and she's going to clubs. She's doing ecstasy. Um, she's going to these like private parties and stuff. So you kind of have that whole like, well, that the tradition that that's old, like tradition can't be current sort of thing. So it's kind of a rejection of the culture, maybe. And then, you know, everyone else in that party would kind of be, you know, of the same mindset as well. That, yeah. that, that's the way I look into it. And those are the only two females we really see. Yeah. I felt like it was yeah. to make her stand out as like a Dracula figure, you know, mm-hmm. to make the cape and like the, the, the dark drab like attire yeah stand out and, and the other thing too because because like you said like the other townspeople should have been dressed in that but they weren't and i feel like it was just to make her stand out as like a like a not villain but but well the other dark thing character too i think is if she's walking around and stuff you know in the city and let's say she's in a more populated area uh, how is she going to blend in probably the best probably right. like that you know, it's kind of going unnoticed. Yeah, it made sense to her character, yeah. Well, thanks, guys, again, for this great analysis of uh, of this movie. You know, I, a lot of talking points, especially for a movie that, again, I, I wouldn't necessarily cl- classify as a horror movie, but I, I really dug it. You know, we watched it because the genre it's labeled under is horror, and none of us had seen it. So we're like, all right, cool, let's let's go for this movie. It's got a lot of buzz. And, and for me, if you said, does this movie hurt or help the canon yeah, of horror movies? Yeah. I would say, you know, it's probably not making a strong case for like, look, horror movies are so deep, dark, and complex, mm. but it's still a pretty good movie yeah like it's not hurting the canon at all like this yeah. is a very like if cool this is, stylized movie that people should watch like it doesn't hurt anything yeah. it's just it's just helping i would yeah. i would say yeah i would agree with that it's helping but i would agree that also or i would say that if if this movie was 100 percent, you know like in the canon or whatever categorized categorized as a horror movie that this movie would help it in the sense that like it's not yeah. just oh it's it's, it's you know slasher gore. and it's yeah. and it's Formulaic. you know trying to like just just gain your suspense and and it's, jump scares and things like that like like this is a like a really well written and well thought out like horror movie yeah. because it wasn't just about killing and about scare tactics yeah. it was about humans and about romance yep. and about life and it, things like it's that it's only downfall it's almost too cool yeah, it's almost too cool yeah. for its own good. If if yeah. if it is considered a horror movie, like we're saying, if we're gonna classify it as that, because that's what the genre says or whatever. Um, this another analogy I got. It's also food uh, based. Is it, you guys ever watched Top Chef? You guys ever watched that? I'm a Chop Champion yeah. fan, but sure, I know Top yeah. Chef. Um, or it might be Chopped actually. Chopped is the one where they're like, "Oh, here's your ingredients, and yeah. you have to make a food based yeah. on this." Yeah, so I was watching one, and they were talking about pizza, and you had all these different takes on pizza. You had to make like a pizza appetizer or whatever, but it was like, you know, they they had to use stuff that wasn't just like. 
pizza. They had to do it a little bit different. So that's kind of if this is a horror movie, it's it's done in the chopped fashion of okay, cool. I've got this. I'm gonna make this, but I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna give it a, a, a twist to make it stand out. So it's kind of like it's got some of those ingredients. And it's reminiscent of it, and it's themed after it. But it, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's it's a little bit different, you know. So I think that's kind of a cool thing, you know, a cool thing with that. I I really enjoyed this movie. I dug it a lot. Yeah, I would I would uh, I've already recommended it to like at least three people this week mm-hmm. to watch it. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's great because I think I mean even you James like when I was telling you about it before we did, recorded this like your girlfriend obviously doesn't like horror movies and I was like or like scary things I guess and I was like oh she she would probably be fine watching it because it's not super scary or suspenseful yeah and I said the same thing to my wife like I mean I just watched it at home but probably by myself but she, like I was like it's not super scary at yeah. all like yep. like my girlfriend would have watched this if the cat wouldn't have been suspect of dying <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. You take the cat out; she's all in. Mukesh, all the cat is fine, yeah. as we later learn. His By the way, name cat, is. great actor. Ah, oh, totally fucking great. Yeah. He's just like, what the fuck's going on? And yeah. then in the car at the end, he's nice. just like, I'm just chilling here. Dude, sorry Let's... to cut you off there, Evan. <laughs> well, I don't care. No, no it's fine. Um, so I think we all recommend it. You know, to see it, even if it's just as a film. There are annoying parts though, because I did get annoyed, like that this movie was promoting itself as like Middle Eastern mm-hmm. and I felt like there was very little Middle Eastern culture about this. Like yeah. it's not filmed there. Well, it's very apparent. Like yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of Western say that it's not filmed there. I mean if you dig yeah. you can find that out. But I think Yeah, the, but if you watch it you can also find that out. I don't I mean it just p- depends on where in the Middle East you're talking about though because like I said, like there's definitely parts of the world that idolize America. And yeah, just because they because they don't it's not like oil derricks and like like English speaking trains and yeah, but if if you're just a normal movie goer, like you probably wouldn't pick up on that stuff unless you were yeah. looking for it. Like I didn't pick it up on the train, the train thing until I read about it. I didn't even think about it. Um, and like I feel like there are not even trains in the Middle East. I just like that. but Still again, trains? it's just like that. That is like a like we're digging to find yeah. you know stuff it, it just different. felt unnatural to me to have a western set in the middle east cuz i was like nah. well i mean that's that's i think part part of the point you know it, it, it's and it wasn't but, it wasn't something like i i see what you're saying like, like there's not something you can spell out but i just got a strange feeling from the what the movie was trying to well i mean put out and now, they don't they don't really show much of like the like where like the rest of the city they just show like those characters yeah so maybe those characters homes. are just very westernized yeah and, it's, like, it's the power the plant the... Re, the power plant scene really brings down the atmosphere are you talking about when he's like waiting for I her when, he, when he's yeah piercing her ears <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. cheeseburger. there's cheeseburgers and there's like trains going by yeah. and there's like a Big power plant and oil derricks. Well, like, and that's when when they're kind of making that this? decision. That's kind of when they're making that decision that they belong together and they're gonna move forward yeah. in some way. Yeah, and no, for a lot for scene, a lot of for a lot of Middle Eastern culture, in the past, moving forward meant leaving the Middle East and coming to America. To me, to me, that was a big problem though. Was it like that? Like uh, the movie wasn't quite sure where it was set. To me, mm-hmm. it's like I wanted it to be a Western, but I want it to be Middle Eastern. Yeah. Well, you know, Middle East is not in the West, so yeah. what are you doing? Well, I mean, it's it's another way to do it, and we don't know if it's good until you fucking try it or not. So, 
you know, my hat's off to her for giving it a shot and seeing where it went, you know, and who knows what that inspires people to do in the future. You know, maybe we'll see a, a Western set in China, you know, we'll, we'll see something like that. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of roll with that as it comes along. But speaking of rolling with it, we got to roll out of this episode. And to prepare you for next episode, we want to talk about um, the movie's that we're going to be doing next time. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, tell us about next time. Uh, so next next episode, we're going to do, uh, in honor of this week, um, a movie coming out. We're going to do the two previous movies that were predecessors to this movie. Mm-hmm. Or a girl who walks... With friends at midnight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, at, at high noon. <laughs> boy meets boy meets world at midnight alone at girls. Three ninjas at Mega Mountain. Oh. Oh, yes. Um, so today or this weekend, following this podcast, or I guess when we're recording this, um, Insidious Chapter 3 is coming out. So we, uh, I am a huge fan of Insidious, the the first movie, Chewie, are you? Yeah. Okay. I um, believe it to be the movie The Conjuring. You've never seen it. So No, I do <laughs> believe it to be the movie The Conjuring. It's which we pretty did much the same ago. cast and director. So you're you're spot on there. Not the same cast, just one guy. Yeah. In it. Um But anyways, um so we're gonna do this is our first time on Eyes in the Dark. We're gonna do two movies in one episode. Yeah. Double feature. So we're gonna do Insidious and Insidious Two next episode uh because they somewhat you know flow together and it's kind of a seamless yeah storyline story arc kind of hard to pick them apart and i feel like like i saw insidious and i loved it and then i saw insidious 2 and it made me love insidious 1 even more mm-hmm. because they just they they work yeah. so well together um and insidious 3 supposedly is supposed to be a prequel yeah. to all these th- to, to the, the first two, two. Mm-hmm. so I just thought it'd be easy and cool to do two and one rather than yeah. two separate episodes. And, um, we and maybe, can kind of talk about how they kind of tie together and things like that. So and maybe you're inspired to then go check out the new one or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Check that out once it, and it's it, insidious is like a, a very, a lot of people consider it like a jump scare movie. Um, I loved it. I thought it was terrifying. And, um, insidious two wasn't as scary in my opinion, but, really really good movie so it's james wan yeah james wan did did both of them and he's also the one who did the conjuring james wan okay same movie yeah yep same movie <laughs> like you said we're gonna have to find out but yeah we're doing insidious one and two uh for the next episode and well thanks guys for joining us again sticking with us through it and going on a journey with us uh to the middle east or to california however you want to put it same place but uh same pl- <laughs> Yeah, it's the same place, really. It's scary that they can pass California off as the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, realistically. Bakersfield, California. Uh, <laughs> um, the well, anyway, of the West. I've been Chewy. Here we have Evan. Say say goodbye, Evan. Say goodnight. Oh, good night. James, Dr. Jurassic, James Price, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Lerner guy. Enjoy this film festival. There's flick. been drinks tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, as always, we like to leave you with some killer lines. So I'm going to leave you with one of our favorite killer lines from this episode. I'm going to say, you know, please come back and listen to us again. Because if you don't, I can take your eyes out of your skull and give them to dogs to eat. <laughs> <laughs>